to right center. That ball is gone. It's a monument park. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the 36th episode of the Monument Park podcast. There was a point in time when Luke and I did not post an episode because we feared we'd be too redundant. That redundancy was rooted through our consistent success. Today, sitting here on August 15th, the New York Yankees are 3-9 and nine in the month of August, 8-15 and 15 since the All-Star break, have lost their last four series, and are 20-25 and 25 in their last 45 games. The Yankee offense has been completely feeble across that span, and nothing has changed. The Bronx Bombers haven't even shown any signs of turning this around, and we're getting close to going into full panic mode. Despite this embarrassing span, though, the Yankees are still 72-43 and and 10 games up on the Toronto Blue Jays. Luke, what's going through your mind right now? Um, More anger than panic. I wouldn't say my panic meter is even very high. And part of that is the division cushion. Like, we're still playing to par of the Blue Jays. Like, there mm-hmm. hasn't been too much movement, nope. which it's hard to be scared about our playoff, us getting in the playoffs when we're 10 games up. Yeah, We lost home field to uh, Houston. We're two and a half down, mm-hmm. two in the first column. But, like, I have I think I mentioned this to Cole off the podcast, is, like, the only time that that's even played a huge factor was 2017 when we just – Got cheated. 2018, Fenway. Fenway, we split the first two and then came back and just lost at home. Mm-hmm. 2019, the same thing. We split the first two, lost two out of three at home, and we really had a chance to put a knife in that. And then 2020 and 2021, it was all away. We were bad. Like it didn't. It, and it was all on the road. That's what I mean. Well, 2020, I don't know. But 2021, yeah. Yeah. But like I said, like it's. It's more just about being good enough than the home field. And I think if we went into the playoffs hot, regardless of if we retook the one seed or not, I would be pretty similarly confident. I, I weirdly like having the first two on the road because I feel like it puts the pressure on them and gives us a chance to regain home field mm-hmm. in a way where potentially we can go back to game six, up three, two, that sort of thing. So yeah. I'm more just worried about the hitting in general than the seeding. But yeah, I mean, it's been really, really frustrating to watch this team hit the ball. But when we get Stan back, I think everything will kind of DJ will get back healthy. I think everything will kind of pick up again for sure. It's a, it's a new team since the deadline, and I feel like that kind of takes some time as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a lot of variables right now that aren't in our favor that can turn around before we actually have to panic. We do have time, and you said something that I live by is the team, the hottest team in the playoffs is going to make, you know, the biggest of, you know, the biggest impact. And you look at the Atlanta Braves last year, a wild card team ended up winning the World Series, and they were the hottest. It didn't matter where they were playing in Houston, you know, back in Atlanta. They were doing the job. They won it in Houston. You know, so Lair's home run, you know, iced it. Uh, if this team, if this Yankee team can go into the playoffs hot, I don't really care where we're playing. You know, I remember being scared about potentially going to play Oakland in Oakland a couple of years back. And like there are certain like weird places to play like the Trop, 
but we've played so many times in Houston and this team is just, it's faced Houston so many times to this point and maybe not the certain player, the exact the particular players, but you know, the team itself has, and we, if we go in hot, how are we going to lose unless they're cheating? Like in 2017, we went back to Houston up three, two, we need to get in that position again. So, you know, we got to uh, we got to figure things out. There's we made a lot of changes at the deadline, not too much offensively, but we didn't really. I didn't. I didn't really think we were gonna need to. We got Ben Intendi, and we got one more guy, which I thought was gonna be enough. Um, but we did a lot to the pitching, so we're gonna talk about that now. So the first trade was Andrew Benintendi. We talked about it on the last episode. Super happy about that. Benintendi threw 62 plate appearances. Hitting 196, he's got a 617 OPS, 10 walks, 15 strikeouts. The one thing that I noticed about Ben Intendi so far is he's striking out a lot. And he's striking out in some fairly big situations. It's I wouldn't say it's concerning. I think the guy's pressing, you know, haven't played too many games at home. It's pretty much all been on the road. We had a series against Seattle at home, and he played the remaining part of that or he played that series against Kansas City but you know that's not really a series um so he hasn't really been able to like get comfortable in New York because he's been on the road most of it and I'm not concerned he's got 10 walks 15 strikeouts that walk to strikeout ratio is not bad at all and he's put some really good swings on the like he he's hit some gap like he's hit the ball really hard it's not like he's running into bad luck he's He's struggling outside of those extra base hits, but he had a double the other night that just just didn't go out. It was to dead center field. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was that was a big hit because and I think a lot of people aren't gonna remember that double if that game has any significance to anybody, uh, other than IKF. But you know, that's he hits the ball to center field, he gets the second base, and then we're in business. Without that, we don't have the flexibility to do a you know a safety squeeze and score the run. So Ben Intendi, I, I am confident in he's gonna if if he hasn't already turned it around, he's going to. And I'm interested to see how he can, you know, add to this team once once they become, you know, effective again. Because right now they're terrible and no matter what he does, they're still not gonna win. That's, just solely on Benintendi. That's kind of what I've noticed as well. Well, two things I've noticed. One with the strikeouts. I don't have the numbers on this, but I feel like he's in a 3-2 count and strikes out like a lot. Like he's still seeing the ball work in the count, and he just hasn't put it, put it together, put that last swing on yeah. it a couple of times. I think that's definitely a good sign to show. Like it's mm-hmm. not like he's going often and striking out three pitches. He's still working counts, so I think that's a sign that – it's not going to be a long-term issue yeah. with him as well. And then on another thing, when you're hitting six in a lineup and the four five is the August version of Josh Donaldson and Glaber Torres, like what are you gonna do? It's yeah. you you they're not forced to pitch to you with runners on base. There's no support. You're probably like IKF or Hicks or whoever behind you. Like mm. I it's not a good situation right now. It's not even the team that we're gonna go into important games with. No. So I think those are two aspects that have 
kind of been Ben Attendee's Achilles heel right now. But yeah, like you, I'm not. I'm very confident still. And he's playing a, a great left field. The catch he made the other night was insane. Uh, I, I don't know if we've had a left fielder. I mean, Gardner would make some nice catches, but I mean, that was like full extension all the way out. Superman dive, catch it in Boston. I mean, there's no one that knows left field at Fenway better than Andrew Benintendi. So having him, regardless of how good or bad Boston is, is a plus. The next trade we made was a bit of, bit of an interesting one. I remember hearing this guy's name as a potential, you know, just bullpen piece for anybody. And, you know, Luke and I were thinking David Robertson, David Robertson, David Robertson. Well, we had the right team in mind. So the Yankees sent Hayden Wisniewski, who I believe is the number seven prospect at the time, which is like two weeks ago, uh, you know, pretty solid starting pitcher. I, I He's got really good, you know, secondary stuff with his breaking ball. He's been up to 99. So he's got the 99 heater. He's got the great, you know, twisting breaking ball. So just on the surface, he looks really good. I think personally he's going to be a you know three or four starter in, in the big leagues, and the Cubs are just going to drool over really any starting pitching with any upside because they've struggled to maintain starting pitching over the years. And we bring back Scott Efros, who is kind of your sidearm Adam Adovino that you can pitch in high leverage moments, hopefully and not, you know, want to turn off the television. Scott Efros, like, three-quarter sidearm. He's got, you know, low 90s heater moves, and then he throws this just, like, like absolute, like, cross-the-plate slider that just goes from one way to the next. It's it's a very good pitch mix. Um He's actually better against left-handed hitters than he is against right-handed hitters, which is a bit interesting. It does make sense. You know, when you throw that slider to a righty, you have a pretty good chance of hanging it. And, you know, if you if you missed your spot, they're going to hit it hard. Um, but to the lefty, you can work outside corner. You can work way in. So there, there's more to do to a left-handed hitter. Sure, you can hang the slider to a lefty, but you can work on both sides of the plate. I mean, you could throw front door sliders to a right-handed hitter, but that's really challenging. But I've seen a lot of outside sliders from Scott Efros, which are very hard to hit to, from a left-handed hitter's standpoint because he's throwing 80 to 81, and it's starting in the middle of the right-hander's batter's box and just sliding straight to the corner. So he's... He's a guy that I I don't think – I know he got the save the other night. I don't think he's a closer. That's not what I think he is. He's a guy that you're going to stick in the you know, 6th, 7th, 8th inning whenever you need a big out, maybe a couple outs, maybe just the inning itself. He's kind of going to be the guy that the Yankees just punch in certain moments because really that was what Michael King was. You know, Michael King goes down with the injury. They bring in Scott Efros. He was doing great in Chicago. He's pitched six innings here with the Yankees, gave up three earned runs. It was all in a Paul DeYoung home run, which was kind of a backbreaker because, you know, in that game, I think that puts um, St. Louis up, you know, 12-9, I think, and or they were up by a run and they hit the three-run yeah. home run. So it wasn't like 
he blew the game. DJ comes up the next inning, hits the solo home run, probably would have tied it, but you can't look at it that way. He gave up a home run to Paul DeYoung, who owns all of New York, the Mets and the Yankees. But other than that, I mean, you got the save the other day. It was a little nerve-wracking, but when, you know, really anytime Devers, Bogarts, Martinez comes up in a big spot, you're nervous. So all in all, right now, I'm thinking we did a solid job with Scott Efros. Hayden Wisniewski might turn into be a great starting pitcher, but it's the need that we needed at the moment. So, yeah. No, I agree. I also his, I mean, his low nineties fastball has to look like ninety six the yeah. way he throws. Like I, I really like his pitch mix. Mm-hmm. He also has, I'm pretty sure it's a changeup, where yeah. that kind of overlays with the slider. When he has both mm-hmm. of those, working, I don't know how anybody's gonna hit him. Yeah. So I, I like, I like the upside with him. Obviously, the last side armor we had, true side armor, was Adam Adovino, that we saw for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's kind of probably leaving a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But mm-hmm. overall, I think this was a good thing for sure. I think and, he's yeah he's looked good. So totally. And it's it is a sinker. I, I apologize. That's why I said it, it moved. I didn't know if it was a fastball or force or two seam or a sinker. Um throws a sinker or slider 40.6% of the time. Sinker 34.7 change up 14 and fastball 10.7. He's you know he's funky. That's that's what he is. He you know, his, his sinker averages at 90.7 um, about. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting pickup from a, from the Yankees. And I think that he's going to be, you know, a very interesting um, pitcher down the stretch. And we have him, I think, until 2028, which is pretty crazy um, because he came up kind of late, I, I believe. And you know we're trading we're trading a pitching a starting pitching prospect, but we have him through twenty twenty eight. So he's arbitration eligible in twenty five. He's going to be affordable, and like I stress on the podcast, you could build a bullpen by not really paying anybody. So Scott Efros, New York Yankee. Hmm. Moving on. After so I'm on the plane going to Davis, California. And I get an alert that the Seattle Mariners have acquired Luis Castillo. And like in the moment, I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm mad, but like, I was like, oh, dang. And then I saw what they gave up. 18th prospect, Noel V. Marte. Uh, and they gave up two more prospects. I don't know the names off the top of my head. Uh, I know they gave up Cole Stout, who pitched at Lehigh. But it's just they gave up the 18th prospect in Marte. And then we just found out recently that the Yankees offered up Jason Dominguez for Luis Castillo, not Oswald Peraza. I understand not wanting Oswald Peraza when the Mariners are offering you Noel V. Marte, who's just the better prospect. But there's something about Jason Dominguez that's yeah, he's 36 in baseball, but he's a switch hitting center fielder. Maybe they don't view him as a center fielder, but he's a switch hitter. He's fast. He's powerful. Maybe the Yankees were only willing to give up Dominguez, and maybe that's what broke the deal. But right now, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, the Yankees really, really, like, I mean, 
the Mariners got him and he threw two gems against us, like right in our face. It, it was just, it was boom. Like he threw a gem against us in Cincinnati in the Bronx. I thought that was, you know, pushed it over. Excuse me. Whoa. For us. I thought Castillo was a Yankee after he dominated us in our home ballpark, but it's not the case. And the Mariners pick him up. Mariners are looking good. I think the Mariners are going to make the playoffs for the first time since 2001. Put it on the record here. And Yankees didn't get him. So what did they do? They sent Ken Waldachuk, who was our best pitching prospect. Cooper Bowman, who was a little bit lower, lower level prospect. J.P. Sears, who we saw a little bit. Um, who pitched well for the Yankees. And Luis Medina, who's, you know, fireballer. And we got Frankie Montas, who everybody talked about as a potential acquisition and Lou Trevino. Uh, I was a little bit annoyed at this deal. I think it was just kind of because we didn't get Castillo and here we are trading Wisniewski and Waldachuk. And then you look at our pitching prospects and it's like, we have one in our top 10 now. And it's like, like we just gave up, like any pitching prospects, and then we trade another starting pitcher later on in the deadline. It's like, all right, so what are we, what are we doing here? You don't love Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole. Um, so why are we trading pitching prospects? Like we have a ton of them because we don't. So we send Waldachuk, you know, left-handed, throws upper nineties, got a funky leg kick, funky arm slot. Pretty much everything about him is funky. I liked him because he's kind of unique and looks like he hides the ball well. And that's that's what I like to see in a pitcher. Sears, I was a little bit annoyed about because I thought down the stretch Sears was going to be a big arm for us, making spot starts, maybe pitching along out of the bullpen. Like when the bullpen's taxed, you throw in JP Sears for two, three innings. Having a guy like that's big. They move him. I think he's going to do a nice job. He already pitched a game in Oakland, pitched pretty well. Cooper Bowman stole, stole a lot of bases for us this year. Drafted him, I think, in 2021. Doesn't really look like he has too much with the bat. Luis Medina throws gas. I, I, in my opinion, I see Medina more as a relief pitcher. He doesn't really seem like a starter. His build is more reliever-like, I guess. So we bring in Montas, who everybody knows. And he's pitched well in Oakland. Obviously, his win-loss record doesn't reflect that, but he pitched in Oakland. Nice ERA. He's been in the league for a while now. Um, free agent after next season. Upper 90s fastball, five-pitch mix. It was a cutter, slider. He's got good stuff. It's just not Luis Castillo stuff. Lou Trevino, a guy who was very good last year. He pitched over 70 games last year with a sub-3-5. For Oakland last year, pitched against us in the 2018 wildcard game, pitched really well against us in that wildcard game, pretty much stopped the bleeding after Hendricks, our best friend Liam Hendricks, just completely went um, and was really bad. Lou Trevino has been really bad this year, but he features five pitches, and that's intriguing out of the bullpen. Big guy, throws upper 90s, his fastball moves. He's projectable. In our bullpen, once again, not making much. So, I mean, all around, it's like, okay, the Yankees got Efros, the Yankees got Benintendi, the Yankees got Montas, they had another arm in the bullpen, not named Efros. 
they've you know filled their needs and I don't know, Luke, Luke can tell us a little bit about what Frankie and, and Trevino's done, but I mean, all around, like in the moment, it was more of like a, it was like a B trade to me. Like I felt like it was a B like that. Like this trade is a B. Yeah. I had a lot of thoughts about how we handled the pitching. I think for starters, I think what you said about the Mariners getting just a better shortstop prospect in the Castillo trade, I honestly probably think that was what sold it to them. It's unfortunate just the way the prospects lined up, who they wanted, what they needed, mm-hmm. just didn't work out. Yeah. I, Waldachuk was such an intangibles guy on the mound, which I loved. Like, I like those guys that aren't just like every other starter. Like you said, he hides the ball while he has a little bit. He's different, which is yeah. something we're going to miss. But when I saw our trades and how we were trading a lot of our pitching, it's gotten me to think that we really don't know how to develop starting pitching. Like, we haven't done that in a long time. Well, we've tried to. It hasn't worked out. We can can develop guys at the major league level, but throughout the minor league system, we struggle a little bit. Like, that's the Cortez. Like... You know what Home, I'm saying? Homegrown guys from the minors haven't done yeah. like we've yet. The exactly. best one's been Jordan. And he's like, all right. Like it's, I I don't know. It's that, that I think that's where I think they're kind of realizing their in-house strengths and weaknesses where they can focus more on other areas and then fill in the major league level as it needs. Yeah. And I was also thinking like Cole's locked up. Uh, Montas probably isn't going anywhere. Assuming we just traded for him. You don't know what they're going to do with Severino. It seems like they really want to make Clark Schmidt a starter the way they've been yeah. sending up and down, stretching him out, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that has been part of the thought process. You have Domingo Herman. Like, if you send Severino, there's really no – there's not use for these guys the way the age works out, and I think they understood that. And obviously they did further in this Cardinals trade where they traded Jordan Montgomery, who's been around forever for – Harrison Bader. I think there's a lot of moving parts with that that said, that told tells us that maybe they wanted to deal their pitching. I don't know. That's that's just kind of how I when I sat back and walked as a whole, that's kind of what I gathered from it. Yeah. I mean Yeah, like we have Nestor too. Like we have a lot of pitchers like at like kind of ready. So yeah. it, it it makes sense that we chose to deal those guys in these trades to help us win now. Yeah. I mean, the Mo- Montgomery trade was surprising. Oh yeah. I, I wasn't expecting that at all, but I, don't know. I just didn't right there in front of me. Like I know Harrison Bader is a good player and he plays the game 130% all the time, but there was something about Jordan Montgomery and, he had been struggling right before they traded him. He was, and you might disagree with this, he was maybe the most reliable starting pitcher. And just in terms of like what we knew we were going to get out of him, at pretty much every given outing, he was going to go out there, give you five or six runs or five or six innings, three, four runs and keep you in the game. And for a three or four in a rotation, especially left-handed, that's, I don't, 
he's not he's not obviously an, uh, an upper echelon starting pitcher in the big leagues, but he's a three or a four, and he did his job the right way. You know, very professional guy. He was he always wanted you know the extra out, the extra inning. He always wanted the ball in his hands. He wasn't really he, he was a he was confident for being so quiet. He didn't really fold like when we desperately needed him. He 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 gave it his best every single time. Sometimes he just didn't have it. It's kind of how lefties go, especially when you're not throwing 98, 99. He's throwing 93, 94, sometimes 95, which we saw when he pitched against us in St. Louis. You saw he was rearing back a little bit. Um, so that was a little weird. Just trading him. Uh, it's just it's if they had no aspirations of using him in the postseason, I understand it completely. What's the point of having him? Now you're looking at the Yankees right now, and it's like, okay, like, but right now we like probably could have used him because we're kind of falling apart, but the pitching's been all right. The pitching's been fine. So maybe, maybe not, but just having the extra arm there, Montgomery, you know, goes out to St. Louis. We're calling Jamison Tyone our 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 fifth starter when everyone's healthy. This Jordan Montgomery Montgomery trade pretty much confirms, and Severino has confirmed himself, but Severino will say anything that yeah. he's Severino will be back and will be of able to start games in the postseason. There's just such a long layoff for that. He's coming back in late excuse me, late September. It's or maybe mid September. I think that's when he's eligible. It's just a little odd. I gotta say that the way they've handled this whole Severino thing with like the sixty day IL is odd because he's already started to throw. Like, and I guess that's just on schedule. But he said like right after Montgomery got traded that he could have pitched like the next day if he needed to. Like, yeah, I don't no. really understand where they were going, where they're going with the Severino. Because if Severino isn't back, then they really, really mess this up. Like, really. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I think this is kind of a product of the stuff we talked about on the trade deadline episode where yeah, it was like, totally. if we trade for a starting pitcher like Castillo or Montas, which we did, then that probably means Severino's out for a while, which he is. But the way you kind of thought about it as more of a phantom IL, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily like phantom. But you have to factor in he hasn't thrown a lot of innings in many years. Yeah, like he's probably hurt a little bit at least. He says he feels good, and then when they go and trade Jordan Montgomery, that just confirms like that would be almost the same effect as us not trading for a starter, where it's like we know Severino's going to be back. Now we have. Cole Montas, Nestor, and then if Sevy's back, then Montgomery's like our fifth, which we have another five in JMO, and then Herman's been stepping up. So I really don't think his absence has been felt too much yet. I really think that all hinders on whether or not Severino comes back. Like I don't think we can even assess this until yeah. we know what the deal is with Severino. I mean, when you look at the 60-day IL, and I had been I had also been saying like it could be Phantom because of the innings because he just hasn't thrown too many. And, and neither is yeah, Nestor. Like, like Nestor's pretty similar. 
He's rubber, though. It's, he's I feel rubber. Like, You're right. Yeah. It's just in terms of just the pitching for Sever the the pitches for Severino, like the pitch, how many innings he's gone. It does make sense. I just think I guess there was just no other choice just to put him on the sixty. Like there's nothing in between. Because like I just don't really like how he's only going to make what two or three more starts before he goes into the playoffs. It just makes me feel a little bit uneasy. Maybe it'll all work out, but I guess we'll can, wait and see. Can he make rehab starts on the sixty day? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he he can just rehab. He can go through a rehab assignment. They don't have to activate him. I don't believe to make rehab assignments. So, or make a rehab assignment. I don't think that's the way it works. I don't. That's not how it works for yeah. offensive players. So, um, yeah, there's been a comp a common like conception that we thought we were getting Pablo Lopez. Yeah. Which on the surface, I thought when I saw that trade, I was like, oh, uh, Lopez yeah. is a Yankee. That's what I thought immediately. But now that we've kind of sat back and digested our personnel and what we have, I really don't think that's the case unless Sevy doesn't come back. Then it's just a total nightmare, which we've been saying from the get-go. Like, it all hinders on that. Yeah. But I'm not as big, big into thinking we – had a done deal for Lopez as the public necessarily is. I definitely think there were talks because I mean, that would have been a genius. If he pulled that off, but you yep. know, I don't well, know. I wanted, they wanted, they wanted one of that. They wanted one of Glaber, Glaber, Volpe or Peraza and the Yankees weren't because they pulled. It wasn't like we originally thought that the Yankees were just offering Peraza for Castillo, but they didn't include Peraza in any of their trade talks. And if they offered something for Otani, which came out that they did, maybe Peraza was in that deal. And if they had offered something for Soto, Peraza was going to be in the deal. But just for like realistic trades themselves, I don't think Peraza was in any of the talks because I don't think he, they offered him for Castillo. Well, I, John Heyman said that they didn't. So, they said that they offered mm. him Dominguez and not Peraza. I don't think they would try to do a smoke screen two weeks after the um after the deadline. I think that's probably true. If it had come out like right then and there that the Yankees had, all right, maybe maybe they might be playing mind games, but I personally think at this point, well, why come out with information that they, you know. Why come out so, with misinformation? You know, does that mean he's going to get called up? I you got to think that that's definitely a possibility because they, I mean, no one could really think. Like, I think Volpe could come up right now and do pretty good, but I don't think he's he's they ready. And they don't want to start his clock, and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to screw it up. A lot of risk. Development. Yeah, there's a lot of risk. Now Peraza, you can kind of play your card a little bit. You can you can pull him up. Problem is, if you pull him up and he stinks, then it's like, all right, well, um, we could have traded him. Uh, and now it's like, we're just going to try to use his prospect rating as, you know, reason to justify that he's a good, like, ball player. I think his glove is fantastic. I think he's a very quick runner. I He, he can hit for power. I'm concerned about the average. I don't really think he's going to hit more than 240. Um, but if he hits home runs, he plays good defense, and he steals bases. All right. Right now, obviously, like 
that's what I'm comparing. Like I'm comparing yeah. him to IKF right now. Now you think about the off season with all the names coming out. That's like Bogarts, Correa, Trey Turner. If Correa opts out, I don't. <laughs> I'm not t- taking my risk with Oswald Peraz. I'm going to go get the sure thing. But right now, it's kind of like we we don't have the flexibility to do it, but we might just do it because we kind of need to. I do think that they're going to wait until you know August 31st, like the last second that they can call it Peraza because just let them get the at-bats in the minor leagues. And then when you, when you can get call them up because then he'll be eligible for the postseason. There's really no point in calling him up after August 31st midnight because then he can't play in the postseason. So what's the point? Um, this clock doesn't start yet, but you're risking injury. So, yeah, I mean, we're going kind of off the rails here, but like, it's all no. It's, it's all, all very. Tied. It's all tied in. It really is all tied in. Because so, if they didn't offer him, then that shows you something, right? So let's talk about Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader had his breakout season last year uh, for St. Louis. He hit two sixty seven, sixteen home runs, fifty RBIs, three twenty four on base, but a four sixty slugging. So that comes out to seven eighty five OPS, a one fifteen OPS plus. He won Gold Glove. Scored 45 runs, but he only played in 103 games. So he had 16 home runs in 103 games. That's 20 homer pace, like 65 RBIs. And, you know, he didn't really steal a ton of bases. His strikeouts aren't really that bad, actually. He's kind of, in my eyes, like a light L-I-T-E version of Byron Buxton. Um, Like, has power. I... Actually, Byron Buxton kind of changed the way he was playing this year, but in the past, Byron Buxton, you know, hits like 250, 260, can hit like 20 home runs, just runs around the outfield like a wide receiver and just plays great defense. So, you know, he's under contract till 2024, and he's actually, no, so, so he signed through 23 on a two year. $10 million deal. So we, we only have him for the next year. He'll probably be the opening day center fielder. The Yankees' worst defensive position was center field. It's not including Judge. It's including Hicks. Um, So, I mean, you got good defense. And... Yeah, you can't run fast in a boot, though. Yeah, no, That's exactly. Where... So, I don't know. This year, up to, up to his year's up in the air. planter yeah. fasciitis, 256, five home runs, 21 RBIs, but he did have 15 steals in 72 games. He only had nine in 103 last year. So stealing more bases, only caught twice. So the average is all right. The OPS stinks at 673, but, I mean, he hasn't played, I believe, since June 26th. So that's – it's just – that was another thing that made the Montgomery trade a little bit weird was that the guy's hurt right now. It's not like he's going to come right, yeah. like come up right here right now and contribute because, and I kept saying it to Luke, if you wanted a gold glove center fielder, you could have just gone to the Royals who we just traded an outfield for. Cause I didn't know we were going to actually go get an outfielder. Another one after Andrew Benintendi. And you go and try to get Michael Taylor, who's hitting 275 with six home runs and won a gold glove last year and has played in the World Series, making less money, signed through 2023, just like Harrison Bader, 31 years old. Like it made a little more sense. 
and it, you wouldn't have given up Jordan Montgomery for Michael A. Taylor. Like that's and the Royals wouldn't have wanted Michael or Jordan Montgomery. Like well, they definitely would have. But what does Jordan Montgomery do for them? They're not going to trade Michael Taylor for a player who's going to just walk in free agency a year later. So the Bader trade, all in all, was a little bit weird. I understand the Montgomery side. The Bader side's a little confusing. Hey, if he comes in next year, has a 785 OPS and can steal 20 bases and hit 20 home runs to my cat, but it's, I don't know if that's going to happen. It shows that uh, Hicks is done, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, Hicks might be on the team as, you know, the fourth, fifth outfielder, but Hicks isn't making the postseason roster. No shot. Yeah. And even if, like, if we re signed Ben Attendee, then Hicks is gone. Probably. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with that money, but they'll probably just stick it where they can't see it. Um, Yeah, that exactly. So, yeah, no, the deadline was a little, deadline was a little odd. I liked it. I liked liked it. They filled their needs, but I guess not to my kind of expectation. I thought it was going to be Castillo. I was very cool with Benintendi. You know, the Brian Reynolds talk, the Ian Happ talk, like Ian Happ, I, I didn't want Ian Happ that much. His numbers looked great, but. He also, neither of them got traded, so it's right. hard to. Be like, yeah, exactly. You know, um, yeah. Houston got better. Houston got Vasquez and Mancini, but just lost. Well, he had been hurt. Michael Brantley had a season-ending surgery. So it's not like Houston went above and beyond. They did get Will Smith, which is a pretty solid bullpen arm because he's pitching like every postseason, like the last five or six years. They didn't have another lefty other than some guy I really haven't heard of. Um, I thought they were going to do more in the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, though, they have a ton of right-handed relievers, a ton. Maton, Naris, Stanek, um, Ryan Presley. Uh, I'm forgetting names, but they have a ton of it. They just didn't really have any lefties there. So, I mean, they could have like they I maybe David Robertson, but maybe they just didn't like David Robertson. Yeah. I personally like Robertson more than Naris, but I mean that's that's what yeah, they're going I, for. I don't, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't love their relievers. Oh no, I don't either. It's just they like, have a they I, just have a bunch of, you know, major league, you know, established relief pitchers. It's not like they're oh Rafael Montero's good. Um Yes he is. He is so good. So that that's their bullpen. It's all right handed and Will Smith yeah. now, who like I said is Tons of postseason experience. So if now Luke we, and I are going to kind of, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, if we keep playing like the way we're about to read these stats, I don't think it's going to matter who's in Houston's bullpen because these, let's see, I we wrote down two, four, seven names and mm, Trevino, you leave off. Them, Trevino, yeah, you leave off, but five of them is, have been like, I mean, Glaber, okay. Labor in August, six for 47, one extra base hit, no home runs. Josh Donaldson, 12 for 44, six extra base hits, two home runs. But they all came in like two yeah, games. So that's not, I don't care. Like, that's not, no. IKF, 10 for 37, one home run. He's been trash except for one game. He's been that's better than two. Say, that's actually, yeah. I think that's 270, but okay, continue. It's the you same. You know thing. what I mean. He, it's, he, just, he, it's just IKF being IKF. It's IKF, yeah. That's not even fair to him. He's just being himself. Hicks, five for 39, no extra base hits. We <laughs> talked about that enough in April, May, and June. I don't even want to do it. Um, Rizzo came back, three for 26, two home runs. 
Rizzo slow start. He's, he's got like a, a 136 OPS plus. Like that's insane. He's and he's hitting 220. Like he still somehow has a, such a high OPS plus. Yeah, I mean, because we have guys like Joey Gallo and IKF just weighing it down. Um, he uh, we don't Rizzo's have Joey been... Gallo anymore, by the way. We didn't I even talk about like... that. We didn't even for... talk about it. We traded Joey Gallo for Clayton Beater. I don't have to say anymore. We traded Joey Gallo, and he's playing like Babe Ruth on the Dodgers. Sweet. Yeah, man, I don't know. Rizzo's just been, like, I think a little cold for, like, a good portion of the season, but it's one of those where, like – It's just, like, 220 to 228. 220 to 228. It's just, like, it's going in, like – Like, he'll hit a big home run, and it'll, like, 226. Like, he's not – It's it's just not moving, you know? Him – and Stanton are the two players where the regular season means maybe the least out of any players, like in the whole league. In our opinion, yeah. I mean, because like, because it's just whatever. I mean, you you figure you're gonna get to the postseason. It's what these guys do in the postseason because if they do nothing in the postseason, we're not winning. That's so. what I mean. It's like you live and die with those guys. Sure. Yeah, obviously, twelve for thirty-six, four home runs, thirteen walks, thirteen walks. I had I knew when I saw only 36 plate appearances that the walks were going to be stupid and they just are. Well, if you do the math there, he's walking a third of the time because he's 36 13 he's also 13 hitting 13. A third. Yeah, he's, also he's, hitting he's a got 12 third. hits and 13 oh, walks. So he's pretty much getting a hit like he's pretty much so getting on base, base two thirds of the time almost. Almost. Wait. No, it's like half, half the time. Yeah, okay. Um 25 for 49 on base. Yeah. Yes, half bang and then dj 11 for 47 four extra base hits he's been dealing with a toe issue he says he's going to get a cortisone and be in the lineup he got one at the all-star break another cortisone I'm, i mean so i mean i don't know i mean there's not nothing really to say about him but it's really those first like five players that we Who's mentioned the guy we're missing oh like well, like la castro and duhar like that spot because Carpenter's been out, but I, I don't even they're not gonna hit in important games, I don't think, unless Anduhart picks it up. So I didn't Hey Miggy keeps yeah. getting hits, man. It's a hit every day. Keeps the doctor yes. away. Keeps scranting away. Yeah. Better keep hitting. <laughs> but um yeah I mean with Matt Carpenter going out and then those five hitters not doing anything and then Ben Attendee having a little bit of a slow start as well. It really shows you yeah, I were losing. Like, yeah, no, I mean, even, there's nothing to. I don't even know. There's nothing left to say about the offense. They've just been horrible, and yeah, we. I think I think. Glaber has hit the ball hard at times. Yeah, Rizzo is going to come around. Judges Rizzo. Rizzo. <laughs> uh, Hicks won't play. I don't know shortstop. It'll either be IKF or Peraza, which yeah. will let that play out. Uh-huh. But yeah, I guess I I really wanted to note um, that Domingo Herman's been really good the last three starts yeah. since we traded Montgomery. Because if that can just continue until Severino comes back, then we didn't see any loss from this Montgomery trade. He's gone sixteen innings, fifteen hits, four runs, five walks, eight Ks, two point two five ERA. Beautiful. I mean, that's all you can ask for in a like. If he was getting lit up, we'd be asking for JP Sears. We'd be asking for Jordan Montgomery back. We'd be asking for Clark Schmidt, and he's yeah. 
that's happened. Regardless of his role in the postseason, whether he's like a long reliever or nothing, this has still been big for him, even though we're yeah. not winning. Yeah, and I mean, to go along with that, Jamison, Jamison Tyone, I almost said Jamison Montgomery, who are best friends, actually. Um, so Jamo was pretty uh, pretty roughed up about it, so was so was obviously Montgomery. He's going over there, and Montgomery's been great. He hasn't given up a run. He's pitched like 13 innings and hasn't given up a run yet um, in St. Louis, so good for him. Um, I was, you know, I was sad to see him go. He's been on the Yankees since 2017. It's sad. It's crazy that he was like, I think, second longest tenured player, which is just crazy to me. Um, so after JMO, you know, had to recover emotionally after getting roughed up in Seattle at home, um, 14 innings pitched against Seattle and Boston, nine hits, six earned runs, three walks, 10 strikeouts. You might be like, Oh, six earned runs in 14 innings, nine hits. Well, he's given us back-to-back seven-inning starts on the road against, you know, I'm not going to call Boston a playoff team, but when we play Boston, they play us like a playoff team. Um, six earned runs, three earned runs in each start, so seven and three is fine. Yeah. More than enough. More than enough. And when he's been pitching, like, he's preserving the bullpen. He's doing a really good job at that because we've had some games where it's like, we just use everybody in the bullpen like we did in Seattle. Next day rolls around, and we have no one. So we have to pitch freaking Albert Abreu. I'm I'm actually excited for Miguel Castro to come back because I don't want to see uh, Albert Abreu pitch anymore. I, I was all in on the Albert Abreu train when they got him back. Just give him a chance, and his numbers were fine at the beginning, but now he stinks. But we're going to go back a second. So those are really the two bright spots for the Yankees in this I mean, those are our, their last, like, two, three starts, which is pretty embarrassing. But I just want to talk about Matt Carpenter because uh, Matt Carpenter was just such a big part to this team. Like, 2.4 war in 47 games. That's, you know, on pace for, you know, a, like, close to an eight war in a full season. Like, that's absurd. And judges at seven seven right now. I mean, and what he's doing, you weigh it out. Carpenter was hitting three oh, and Carpenter was pretty much you know, like playing like he was the DH for most of it. You know, playing some first base, three oh five average, fifteen home runs, thirty seven RBIs, a four twelve on base, a seven twenty seven slugging, an eleven thirty eight OPS, and a two eighteen OPS plus. It's not like he did it in six games, people. He was doing it in forty seven games. He was such a big part to this team, and he adds so much, not just individually, but around him. You know, he forced pitchers to pitch to certain guys. He, him being in the lineup, just like he's almost like like a hitting coach, but like he's hitting with the team. And maybe he didn't help anybody. Maybe he didn't help anybody in the lineup at at all. It just felt like the offense just got in another gear when he was playing. And, you know, since he went down, the offense went completely silent. We won I, uh, 9-4 the game he won. And then after that, we didn't score. I don't think he scored more than three runs. He, the when I used to always talk about like a professional at bat and the yeah. presence box, like that's him. Yeah. And it forced pitchers to actually pitch to the guy. 
yeah. where Glaber, JD, and IKF just swing at everything mm-hmm. and have no plan. It's like such a different. Like I feel like if nobody has an approach in the lineup, you're just gonna go up there without an approach, like by human reaction. Mm-hmm. But having having Rizzo in there, having Carpenter in there, those are two. I mean, obviously Judge, but that doesn't even count. He's just a freak. Those two where they just see pitches, see a ton of pitches, that feeds into these guys where you see now they're just swinging at every ball, just trying to make contact. Like, there's no plan. I liked how Carpenter always had a plan. The count was always full. I he That's what he brought to the table. And even if he wasn't hitting a home run every three at-bats, which he just was, it's still – he still has – I feel like his – lineup presence has just been missed in terms of how people have approached that bats. It honestly, it honestly brought like, I was actually, a, don't call me a, you know what, but like, I almost got emotional. Like, like when he got hurt, like, I don't know. Like it, he's, he's done so much. Like it's insane. Like just, just hit like, and, and I, I wanted to, and he might come back. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to like put all my money on that. He's 36. Uh, it is in the foot, so maybe it's just like he. I feel like he would have added something in the postseason that he we will. don't have, and maybe, he maybe he could DH. He'll he DH. I'm, it's, I'm, just, it's just like, oh, like why did that have to happen? Like we wouldn't have lost the last four series or last three series if he's in the lineup. Like we lost like yeah. two out of three, like two or three times. So yeah, no, I am- not. Not fun. It's like you go one day from getting the standing ovation every single game in St. Louis to your first game on the road, and you foul a ball off your foot, and your season's on the verge of being over. So it's um, life, man. I feel like when he got hurt, you and I, I was not confident, and you were confident. Now I feel like it's almost slipped. Just thinking about it, he'll be able to come because we you. keep losing. Yeah, that's. I'm just that's in a bad I mean. mood in general, so I think that's but. If we once everything starts clicking, Ben attendee, DJ Judge Rizzo, Stanton comes back, and God forbid Glaber and these other guys learn how to hit. Yeah. And you add that, it's gonna be like a whole it's gonna feel like a whole new team just because of us not having him to us having yeah. him back. So I think if this team learns how to hit without him and then we get him back, I really think we're gonna be scared. If he comes back, like there's also just the human aspect of it, like coming back from an injury and contributing, that's that's super hard. Like that's not easy. And he was already a guy that wasn't, and this is another thing. He wasn't playing every day, but when he would play, he would just kill everybody. He would he was just killing everything. You don't see that a lot. You hear you hear me specifically talking about or maybe just conversation with Luke. Well, he didn't get enough enough at bats. He didn't get enough at bats. He he couldn't get on a roll. Matt Carpenter didn't need enough at bats. He was just going bam, 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 rest, 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 bam, bam, bam. Like it was just Matt Carpenter. If he somehow comes back and is what he was, and the Yankees go on to win the World Series, he might be my favorite player ever. Just just because he wasn't supposed to be on the team the in the beginning. And he comes in, we get him for absolutely nothing, and he, in that situation, wins his, helps win it, win it all. Like something that I've wanted since the second grade, and we got him for nothing. 
Now we're going to go out to pay Aaron Judge $40 million next year just to make the division series. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Matt Carpenter brought that, and I really am crossing my fingers. He can come back, do his thing, and just, you know, just put pressure on the pitchers. Like, that's just that in itself. So, yeah. What you just said about how he would just come in and hit regardless was like, the reverse of the Anduhar conversation we had earlier in the year, where mm-hmm. it's like the reason he didn't stick and hasn't stuck is because he has to be in the lineup and have four yes. at bats every day. And if you can find a hitter that doesn't need that but will still produce, it's unreal. It's, it's game changing, man. It's game changing. It's organizational changing. It's it's everything. So yeah, no, like I said, cross my fingers and I, I know he's gonna do all all he can and I want that guy in the dugout. Can he just be in the dugout, man? Like, can he do his rehab and then just be in the dugout? Because he adds – He, I mean, you just hear players talking about him. Who was the first person that came up to Jordan Montgomery? And, yes, played for that team. First person that came up to Jordan Montgomery after he got traded, Matt Carpenter. Goes on and on about how it's just a world-class organization. And see, St. Louis is. So, that's just the kind of person he is. It's just – it's more than the game with Matt Carpenter – and I might be just going on and on about Matt Carpenter, but he's just he's just done so much to this team, so I'm it's warranted. Um, something that Luke and I, you know, you hear it on the short porch shout out. Um, we did it last year, I think once, and it was in around this time actually in August. It was I think right around the Field of Dreams game, so it's kind well, of like it's a panic fun. mechanism. Yeah. Like honestly thinking well, about you, it. I mean, you've been talking about this the last two weeks, and here we are on yeah, the podcast. Haven't won a game. Yeah. Um, why. But yeah, no, we're so I like it though. We're uh so we've added two names that are not currently on the major league roster, um, which makes absolutely no sense. One kind of makes sense, one Clark doesn't me. make sense at all. Um, so we have I have we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 arms that we're just going to rank out. And a, a reliever trust tree is basically who do you have the most confidence in? It might just be who hasn't screwed up yet to lose your confidence. Um, that is what it is. So that's uh, that that's just what it is. Luke just said it. So going off that, Lou Trevino is my, I'm not saying Trevino, Lou Trevino is my number one most trusted reliever at this current moment. Luke? I I have the same. When he came over and pitched well in his first appearance, I was, like, looking around, like, oh, this is my guy. Like, he's the best – like, he's really good. And he just has been. So I – and the way the bullpen's been around him, there's no other name, which is crazy. But yeah. yeah, right now, game seven of the World Series, we're up by one in the ninth. Blue Trevino is on the mound. So boy, would that be nerve wracking? Um, and that's number one. So this only goes down <laughs> downhill from here. <laughs> um, number two, you got to go, Scott Efros. He's you know gave up that homer to Day Young, but you know he's been pretty locked down his other innings. Um, I see Luke has the same. I'm not going to just go back and I mean, we have the same. We have the same. My third guy is Ron Marinaccio. Um, The fact that Ron Marinaccio, who 
I think gave up like one hit and like 56 batters or something insane. The fact that like I understand like the business of baseball and like options and all of that. But Albert Abreu just like single-handedly like, well, he didn't single-handedly lose the game. Nestor gave up the run. Then Albert came in and kind of screwed uh, it up. He did lose. Abreu lost. But Abreu, Abreu and the catalyzed offense. the loss. And he's just on the big league roster. And it's because he has no options left. So they don't want to DFA him because they know some other team is just going to pick him back up because he was good for a week. So they can't send him down unless he clears waivers and then they can option him. Now, Marinaccio is just a beast and he's just sitting in the minors. And a guy that's on the minor league in the minor leagues as we speak is my third name on my trust tree, and that says a lot. Well, I've Chapman at third because he's been really good, but my I kind of have it a little bit tiered, like, mm. and I've Ron and Wandy on the same one. But in four through six of my bullpen trust tree, two of them are in the minors. Yeah, so it's just three. No through, matter how you three through it, five for me, three. It's like. It's a problem that that's the case. That's, and That's a problem. And it's cool because it feels like we have reinforcements coming, which we do. But, yeah, I mean, I had to give Chapman the not. He's looked really good. He had that weird inning in Boston, and then he picked. He got a pick off, which kind of bailed him out. But I, I'm going to choose to ignore that until he gets in and walks four batters the next time he comes he in. He just isn't in the closing role, so I haven't really generated any tr- – like, if he's going to, like, pitch us, like, clean innings, like, that's what I thought he was going to do, just clean seventh, clean eighth here and there. Mm. But if he's not in the closing role, I can't have full trust because if I if he was doing this in the closing role, he'd be number one. On my list, he's number four. Um, And then following Chapman, just like you do, um, even though Chapman's my fourth, you have Clark Schmidt as your fourth. I have Clark Schmidt as my five. Clark Schmidt is in the bullpen or would be in the bullpen right now, most likely, but he's in the minor leagues getting stretched out. And he, I think, had 11 strikeouts and like six perfect innings in his last start. Like he's, he's a beast. I'm, I'm, and I know I would just like give Luke crap. Like, why do you like Clark Schmidt? Uh, SEC, like, no, like I'm actually like, all about Clark Schmidt right now because I do think he's going to be on the team next year. So I'm mentally preparing myself to be optimistic about someone who's, you know, got good stuff. And uh, it's just exciting. He threw a hundred. I say it on like every other episode when his name comes up, but he threw like a hundred out of the bullpen once. And I was so fired up. I don't know where that came from. You're going to go all out for an inning or two this postseason run. And he's, I mean, that's awesome. Sure. Sure. And then, so, yeah. After. You got your tiered. Yeah, I mean, I've Ron and Wandy on the same tier. I don't. It doesn't really like they're kind of the same level of trust, but way different arms. But I think both of them are, are going to be important and involved in the playoffs, and they don't stink. Mm-hmm. Ron's been gross. Hopefully, you can. I don't. It, I think him being low is more like I don't believe he'll gonna he's gonna come back up and continue. I don't know if I don't believe it, but it's just I have to see it. So yeah. right now he's a little lower. But, yeah, no, both of them are going to be a part of the postseason. And they've done some big things. Wandy's got us out of some jams recently, yep. which means you do it for a stinker. That's just how Wandy works, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. But, yeah, no, they've both been good. Yeah. So, Wandy, I feel like they always put him in, like, 
when the game's about to be over. They like put him in right just so the other team can hit a walk off. And he actually got through it the other night. Uh, Wandy's after Schmidt on my list at number six. Um, Number seven for me, I got Lucas Litke. Very under the radar, 275 ERA in his last 15 games. He's throwing 21 and two-thirds innings at a 166 ERA. Um, I think it would be, I mean, dude, he's he had a 274 ERA last year and a 275 ERA this year. And he might not be our favorite reliever, and we don't love to see him out there, and his ERA might be a little bit misleading. But right now, Lucas Litke is doing a hell of a job, and he doesn't pitch enough on purpose. Um, so that's number seven on my list. Who do you got yeah, at, at um, next year? Well, spoiler, I have Lucas Litke last, but that's because I chose not to even put Albert Abreu on the list. Um so why I mean, does Licky have to pay the price? Well, because I ranked it based off who I want to see in okay. a big moment, and so Lucas Licky naturally ended up last. My last, my my after my Ron and Wandy tier is another tier, Lewisga and Clay because Clay Holmes because I'm equally as unconfident in seeing awesome. both of them come to the game with the hopeful result of them pitching a clean inning. I mean, Clay can't. Throw a strike, and when he does, yeah. it's right down the middle. Loisigas looked better. Threw a scoreless inning the other day or yesterday. Like he, he just throws some pitches that are so horribly executed that they just ruin his. It's outing. just, it's just like decision making. That's all it is. I think it's decision making. It's like no, it's like he'll like throw like a a changeup when he's got a guy like zero and two. Like after he but throws two fastballs and they can't catch up. He'll throw a changeup down the middle. It's like, well, that's what, yeah. I guess I've been focusing more on the down the middle part. But yeah, they're both, they're both yeah very like yeah. they both matter. Where it's like you're making the wrong decision and then you're hanging in. Yeah, just death. beat them with your best pitch, man. Like don't overthink it. So, Clay Holmes, like Clay Holmes can't beat anybody with any pitch because he's not throwing it in the zone. I don't really. I I. I saw someone on Twitter that was saying that Clay Holmes was using sticky stuff. It was actually that MLB Nerds account, which I actually think is pretty reliable based on what I saw during the trade. They came out with the um, Matos trade before um, really anybody. And they were saying that Clay Holmes Holmes is consistently going to his hat every pitch. And I heard from a birdie that – they're really not checking the sticky stuff anymore. It's kind of like inconsistent and you know, it's some guys are getting away with it. I think relievers get checked when they go into the game, but once they're in the game, like if they got something in their hat or in their pocket or something, they're not getting, I don't think they're getting checked after the inning. So the starter can go in and out of the dugout and go get stuff and then checked between each inning. But the, the reliever can. If you're just going, sorry, one inning, then maybe maybe Clay Holmes has been using it. I heard Ian Anderson's right. probably using it too. So all right, Clay, figure out how to cheat again. It's really yeah. my own. Like so eight nine, I have Holmes Lawizaga, and then I put uh Albert Abreu. His name's his name's initials is AA. You should be in double A. Um he's number 10. I actually like Albert Abreu as like the pitcher. It's just he's been terrible. Like I like his stuff. He has good stuff. He struck out Suarez, 
before he gave up that home run. Like it was a very nice pitch. He fooled him completely and then just threw an 88 mile an hour slider to one of the more, you know, veteran at bat guys in the league. Like it's, you know, unfortunate. He's so annoying because he throws a hundred and it runs half a foot and he just, yeah. just doesn't throw every single pitch. Like, why are you throwing 87 slider? That stinks. Like, I don't, he's more like a frustrating because it's not like his fastball 93. Like, yeah. you throw a hundred, throw it. Like, that's throw really with confidence, man. I think that's what it is. Throw your fastball with confidence. If you're throwing your fastball, like, like you're, like holding it back and like you're scared to throw it, you're gonna get pounded. Yeah, then your secondary stuff is gonna stink that. because your your fastball should be your number one trusted pitch if that's the case. So Albert Abreu at ten. So that's that's what it is. And lock him we're in talk about and just be like throw the fastball for twenty four hours. Yeah, except Garrett Cole throws flat fastballs, but be like Garrett Cole. Just talk to Garrett Cole. Ask Garrett Cole why he throws no, the I'm, fastball. No, I'm saying they both need they both need to go to some like fastball rehab and just learn how to throw it with confidence. I mean, Garrett Cole throws it with confidence. He throws it every pitch, Luke. Does he throw it with confidence, though, if he's giving up six runs in an inning? Well, like, no, his fastball is just flat. Confidence doesn't matter when it, in terms of movement. His fastball doesn't move. It's flat. It just It's just flat. He might have a little late tail, but that's only when he's doing okay. Like you got to locate, man. Like the home run he gave up to Kalanick at home, which was like up and away, and he just just went around it and just hit it out was absurd. Like you know your fastball stinks when a guy who you can't hit one thirty, a buck thirty is hitting your fastball up and away and pulling it out of the yard. Like he's just ready for it. I thought Kalanick like scooped one. No, no, dude. It was up and away and just totally no, dude. I remember they showed it the other day. That's why I'm like talking about it because I like remembered it. Either way, if Jared Kalanick's hitting a home run off Garrett Cole, then I just assume that he's tipping because that's just not real. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's we're going wow. to see Cole pitch pitching tonight. tonight. What? He's pitching tonight. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, hopefully he's uh hopefully he does something similar. As to what he did last time when we were there, because he, he uh, hopefully, he I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the the pitch on the. Here we go. Here, turn it. That's it. Oh, it's not high. <laughs> it was. It was. It wasn't high, but it was blowing away. Yes. You can't really scoop something away. That's what I was trying to say. Um, he, you can't. He was tipping. That was a ridiculous. Probably, thing. He, was he was tipping. That's final. We were going to end the podcast talking about Oswald Peraza, IKF. I we talked about it. IKF, you know, he's he, he plays the game really hard. He's just what he is. He's a two seventy hitter who will play good defense. Won't hit home runs. Extra base hit here and there. Um, steals bases pretty efficiently, you know, kind of overthinks the routine play sometimes. I think that's just added pressure from playing in New York. One thing I will say, I've been pretty adamant on kind of phasing him out. I'm a little scared of him in the playoffs with these routine plays. The way I used to get upset about Hicks 
about Voight, guys like that where Donaldson now, where it's like you're struggling and you have no change of approach. You're all about yourself, complaining about playing time, blah, blah, blah. IKF is so for the team. Yeah. Like you saw earlier, like he, he laid a bunt down, got the winning run over. Like he lays no, out on he defense. He scored the winning run. He bunted it in, I thought. Yeah, yeah. You said he got him over, but yeah. That's what, yeah, he bumped yeah, it. Yeah, the win- yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. No, like just like stuff like that where it's like that's strictly for the team. And yeah. I'll never hate a guy when he's as for the team as IKF is. He steals a lot. He does stuff like that. His offensive upside is just so low that it it's just a different him. player. It's like an old fashioned guy that didn't really have much of a bat. You and... have to hit doubles though, like uh-huh. sometimes, or like I don't. It's it's really just the way he. I think it maybe he doesn't like like he tries to hit every. Pitch. Yeah, I know. And honestly, like if that's the nine hole of our lineup and we've got guys around, like I was thinking, like. Playoff lineup. You have Carpenter, Car- Carpenter and Duhar at the bottom, where it's Carpenter and Duhar, Trevino and IKF. It's not like you just have a black hole, like because IKF won't be a black hole because he puts the bat on the ball so much. Like he just puts the ball in play over and over. It might be a black hole. The result might be a black hole, but it doesn't feel like it. You know, like you. Oh, he might get a hit here. He's hitting two seventy. He's he'll get a hit a day. It's just. It's not, it's just not, it's just a single. So it's not like he's going to come up yeah. and hit a home run, which he did the other day. But I think when our team is at full strength, I'm not as upset with the offensive side. It's this full year, it's really just been like I'm terrified of him. There's one guy every year I feel like on defense in the playoffs that just yeah. loses it. And I'm worried that that's him offensively. I think if, like you said, he's in that like seven hole, like nine hole, be able nine hole, yeah, yeah second yeah. lead off, yeah, yep. yeah, he'll be okay. But I don't know. I would. I think I don't think it would hurt to see Oswald hit a couple home runs and see if he can do it consistent. But yeah, I mean, I just don't like. I don't love the idea of putting a rookie in that position. Uh, shortstop for the New York Yankees going into the playoffs has nothing really behind it. That's that's not like you're sticking a center fielder in there, which is also pretty hard. Or a cat like is it's or a second baseman like it's shortstop. It's not like just put Peraza in a room and just make him watch the entire Captain documentary for two days straight, and then just send him out there. Sure, if that's what it takes to win, I am all for it. Well, thank you guys all for listening and watching. You know, we apologize for a little bit of a. You know, delay. We've been busy. Yanks have been playing bad baseball. Kind of wanted to just put it all together in one episode. And I think we did a, you know, a fairly nice job at just kind of breaking it all down, talking about what we need, what we don't need. And, you know, we're going to go play a couple divisional games and we're going to, you know, get through the dog days of August and hopefully come in hot in September and, you know, play good that month because. We honestly need it, and who knows? Maybe we'll get the n- number one seed that's still not out of the realm of possibility. So, um, we're two years back in the lost column, yeah. I think there's still a very solid chance. We just need that winning streak that we had last year as soon as we got back to school. We got back to school, and the Yankees won like every game for two weeks 13 in a row. That would be that's 
something that we need. Hopefully us not going back at different times doesn't put a nix on that. But I, I'm tired of August. I don't like it. I like being home, but I don't like uh, I don't like Yankees. Like bad baseball. I don't like the Yankees yeah. August. I like August, but I don't like Yankee August. All right, well, links in the description. Go click them all. Go follow them all. Do your thing. Thank you, guys. Peace. Thank you.